0: Welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for a podcast I've been waiting to do for far too long, it seems. I don't know the last time Manchester United won a game, let alone won a game against Liverpool. Obviously, Marcus Rashford was involved in that game as well. All those years ago, but he has sort of made the difference, scored the winning goal in this one. But more importantly than Man United and Marcus Rashford's goals and beating Liverpool and moving above them in the table, a, fam- a familiar face has returned to the podcast. Um Some of our old listeners will be aware Larry Taylor has made a return. And just look at him here. I, we've been dealing, we've gone through the absolute mire here, sort of dealing with all the troubles with Man United. Larry sort of billy really struts his way back in after a 2-1 win against Liverpool and says, I'm back. Well, I'm happy to discuss Man United now. So um talk to me, mate.
1: What a game! What a way to return for me too. It's uh, look. I didn't. I didn't intend for this, Tom. But uh, look, I'll, I'll just. I'll run with the story. I'll say it's a happy coincidence, but it, uh, it's got to be back me. I, I can't remember the last time I did a video with you. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time United won a won a competitive match. So uh, look, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best result since the Bangkok Cup. So uh, I think let's If we could if we forward. could play
0: Liverpool every week, um would be fine. Um, I think we'd be t- top of the table undefeated and everything would make a lot more sense in supporting Manchester United. But our last video play would have been Melbourne. <laughs> in regards to pre-season, you've obviously been to Manchester since we might just discuss that at the end of the show and we'll sort of um sort of review your sort of trip to Old Trafford unfortunately in not the greatest of circumstances result-wise, but I'm sure it was a great experience. I'll pick your brain um on that at the end of the episode, but we'll say day to some people in the live chat. And I'm sure everyone is in a good mood, so I don't have to ask how anyone is in the live chat because I'm sure you just like everyone else that you are. Absolutely buzzing. G- George, good to see you, mate. We'll get into stuff like this in regards to Maguire and Shaw's position that's stuck on the bench. It looks like that might be where they do belong for the foreseeable future. Dion, good to see you, mate. Adam, uh, Rob here, still bouncing. He'll be on It's a Football Thing. Make sure in about two hours they will be live on It's a Football Thing discussing Man United. Um Moving above Liverpool, I think they've got one or two Liverpool fans on tonight as well. Um, Dion, who is this handsome devil? Larry, you're telling me you're sort of hitting the gym in, in Europe and sort of keeping on top of your weight? But the jacket, I don't know if the jacket's big or not.
1: Oh, Tom, it's the liquid diet.
0: Can any of the Man United players who are featuring on the bench in regards to a Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, potentially um, take up your offer on that?
1: Well, I think Luke Shaw could definitely use some tips. So, uh, Lukey boy, if you want some help to get off the kebabs and drop some weight, come find me.
0: Well, that is something we obviously discussed in Melbourne. We sort of met Harry Maguire, and Harry Maguire looks like this big guy on the TV, and obviously a lot is made of his head. Harry Maguire in person is actually quite a slim guy. He, he's obviously extremely tall. Luke Shaw is very thick, but Maguire himself, he could do with a, uh, putting on a few kilos. But um Richard here, good to see you, mate. What a game everyone played with heart and passion, which I think was ultimately proved the difference. We'll get into tactics and performances, but I think it was clear as day the difference was the effort levels, um, especially compared to Liverpool. Jamie, good to see you, mate. Morning, lads. Welcome back, Larry. Great to catch live and even better, LeapFrog Liverpool. That is what I'm mostly happy about. Like The narrative around Manchester United has been so doom and gloom over the last couple of weeks, and rightly so, and Liverpool is best team in the world. Well, suddenly they're below us on the table. They must be close to the relegation battle. They obviously don't even have three points yet. Sully here, evening fellas, what a time to be alive. Martinez can have three 2 one points or all, all of the points in the three tier ones and the keys to the city while we're at it. Man of the match for me. And it'll be interesting to sort of in up performances. And obviously he's got a new defensive partnership in Rafael Varane as well. But I think Lissandro Martinez is I think he's already a cult hero, Larry. So if you are a big fan of Lissandro Martinez and everything about his performance, do hit a like on the video. That would be great. Um Borja here, Football Capital, good to see you, mate. Ashby here, evening lads, better atmosphere on Saturday night. Well, we will be at Scruffy Murphy's if you are in Sydney. Um, if you do want to continue on Man United in sort of good form and watch Casemiro's debut away at Southampton, the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney will be at the pub on um, Saturday night. So do come along. My mum here. Welcome back, Larry.
1: Thanks, Claire. Pleasure to be back.
0: And um, two more. Adam here saying, imagine not winning a game after the first three weeks couldn't be me. Well, it was very close. Thank God that we don't have to have that debate, but that is up for the Liverpool um, content creators to do that themselves. So I'm lucky them. And Chris, good to see, you, mate. Hope you are keeping well. But Larry, Man United football beaten Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know how to discuss a sort of a re- review and a win. Um, as I say, it's been a while since we've actually to, to do it. So do we talk about? Were there any negatives? I don't think there were any negatives. So there was obviously the stuff before the game in regarding the glazes out protest, which I think is something that needs to continue regardless of this result, regardless of future signings over the next coming days. That momentum does need to stay there. But here we are in Sydney. Obviously, we set the alarm for a little bit before 5 o'clock. I set it for 4 o'clock myself. Your jet lag kicked in. You were up even earlier. Team News comes in. There was a bit, little bit of murmurs in, in my preview. I predicted Harry Maguire to be on the bench. I'd never considered Cristiano Ronaldo to be on the bench. Ten Haag threw that one in there, which ultimately will get your thoughts on the, those both decisions and Luke Shaw as well, ultimately proved exactly the correct decision.
1: Well, you, you just touched on a moment ago. Where do you start? Let's start with Eric Ten Haag. W- what a set of balls. Like, seriously.
0: I think I'm and most I, happy for him. And I'm not the fans, the players which I'm happy for. He needed this. He needed a big moment to arrive.
1: Of course he did. Uh, and credit to him as well. He, he's come out in the, I think it was the pre-match press conference. He got questions around, you know, th- this is the worst start for a United manager since 1932. How do you respond to that? How, how do you come back from that? Do you, have you lost faith in the players? And, and his response was, I've started with difficult positions in every managerial job I've taken so far. So that, that told me, you know what, this guy believes in his process. And can I just say, not just on the selections, Tom, tactically, he was adapted, he adapted. De Gea went long with every ball. It was They weren't trying to play out the back. He identified Liverpool press from the front, and he had a counter to that answer. And to be fair, I think he also played or nullified a weakness in De Gea's game in doing so as well. Credit where it's due, and uh, I think in total, how many passes did United even have in the entire many. game? 130 passes odd? It wasn't
0: a lot. On on that tactical thing there, you mentioned. What do you think his thinking behind it was? Do you think it was okay? It's not our strong point, and Liverpool obviously very good in the press in terms. Of, okay, let's just not sort of muck around with the ball there. Let's break that line. Let's get the ball further up the field. And I'd rather lose it on halfway than in our own 18-yard box. Or do you think there was a tactical thing in terms of potentially trying to exploit something? Maybe sort of challenge you saw Anthony Langer sort of get, being quite physical with Trent Alexander Arnold sort of thing. So do you think he was? try not to play into our weaknesses, or do you think he's spotted a potential weakness in Liverpool?
1: I think a little bit of both. Um, United have been really open, so you can understand if it was a little bit more pragmatic. I think the key point here is Liverpool play one way. Uh, Liverpool don't adapt, and that's key. So if you know that Liverpool are going to try and play on the front foot, try and put their, their forward players in that narrow channel and put everyone in that six-yard box... The, the, the fullbacks play quite high 10 hag clearly and I mean we saw it after the Brentford game he, he he made a point of making these players run 13.8 kilometers he put out a team to run first and foremost and he set up so we could counter Liverpool's one and only outlet in terms of how they play so credit where it's true and the, the most credit I will say in terms of 10 Hag it wasn't what you'd call a traditional counterattacking setup United did press at times. But it was selective pressing, and that's mm. the most impressive thing about the performance. I felt United kept the ball when they needed to, but they overall set up to counteract Liverpool. And you have to say credit where it's due. If you look at a Langer selection, he had Trent Alexander Arnold on toast a couple of times. So you talk about
0: the you talk about the running and you talk about energy with certain players in terms of the way the game sort of tactically played out in regards to that. There was a feeling at the start of the game, and obviously there was the energy in the air in regards to the protest before the game. Casimiro unveiling on the pitch. So there was an atmosphere building. Obviously, Liverpool were in town, so it had that big game feel. Lissandro Martinez, after the first couple of seconds, hit um, Mohamed Salah, gave away a foul, and sort of got in his face, and the crowd reacted to that. And so many times over the years, and I've been sort of critical of other clubs in terms of when Man United come to town, it's, a, it's their biggest game of the season, I think. Well, why aren't the fans up for the other games of the season? And, and you always get the feeling, like imagine going to an Ellen Road or even a Brentford or a club like Brighton or something. It's Man United are in town. There's this huge atmosphere. And sometimes you get the feeling at the start of the game that the crowd's just on top of it and the crowd are just going to get their way in regards to their buzzing and the, their, their team is going to feed off that energy. I felt, we'll feed, I felt our players were feeding off the energy from the crowd. And there was things like, okay, the protest... Casemiro's unveil I think, a huge thing, which got me gave me goosebumps before the game. Was Casemiro going over and shaking Roy Keane's hand? Something, nothing, shaking shaking a guy's hand, but something like that to sort of spread that positivity. And do you think? What do you think was the more or sort of deciding factor? Do you think it was the players <laughs> and the tactical approach, or do you think it was playing the occasion and we lifted to it, and Liverpool couldn't deal with it?
1: United started. <clears throat> excuse me. United started on the front foot. I think the key point with the Old Trafford crowd was the opportunity for a United could have been on the front foot early. Even before that, Rashford had a good opportunity. I think he just stumbled on the ball a little bit and gave Van Dyke an opportunity to catch him. So United started with a few half chances. And I think that got the crowd going. If you actually look at the last two games, Brighton, we we just never got going. Even the goal was shambolic in in the nature it was scored. And then Brentford, we didn't even blink an eyelid. So, you look at it all in all. It was the first time that the fans had a reason, to cheer. United actually played with some energy, with some urgency. So naturally, the fans got excited by that. I think the Alenga moment was key. Uh, and that's probably where the fans started to think, okay, this can get going. It obviously is preceded by uh, Martinez having the exchange with Salah. I think that put a bit of heat back in the game. And when was the last time we saw United, Liverpool have a bit of beef in the match? Yeah. So credit no, to it, Martinez. I felt, felt
0: a felt like a big game regardless of how it played out and there was a feeling which we'll get into later on there was a feeling when we were 2-0 up and you had those nerves when sort of Salah brings one back and you, oh god if we throw a two goal lead away and we draw 2-2 okay yes that would have been gut wrenching yes that would have sort of felt really deflating in sort of thing however i was sitting there in the 85th minute 88th minute thinking well Look, if we give this away, yes, I'll be absolutely devastated. But in terms of what I've seen from the team, in terms of what I asked from, in terms of effort and commitment and attitude, it was there. So, yes, it would have been gutted if we gave it away and drew two all. But ultimately, we all sit here sometimes after games, we say we don't care about the result. All we want is players who run. All we want is players who work. Well, I was getting that. So, yes, I didn't want to draw the match at the end. But if it did happen, I was pretty content in regards to what I had seen. So credit to the manager and the players because they needed to bounce back. Mm Um, after last week. But a comment here from Mad. Um, as long as they stay fit, Verano Martinez can't and shouldn't be dropped for anyone. Same as Malacia. If he's down on one toe on one foot, he starts ahead of Luke Shaw here. Yeah, actually, I want to touch on, obviously, Martinez and Varane will dominate a lot of the discussion around 3-2-1. So we'll touch on them in a little bit. Luke Shaw and Malacia. First of all, Malassia, I thought was brilliant. So very good. Okay, and I'm definitely not downplaying his performance or saying, okay, play Luke Shaw ahead of him or anything. However, I think in regards to the end result of his performance in regards to productivity in terms of passing, tackling, I think Malaysia was a little bit, not at fault for the goal, but in terms of a little bit weak with his header and sort of Liverpool sort of got the ball back into the box. I think if that's Luke Shaw, we're being very, very critical, but not of Malaysia. But I'm just thinking the overall performance I think could have been the same if Luke Shaw was there. I don't think malasia did anything hugely different. However, what he did do was provide an energy, provide a buzz he made us play quicker, even if it was just a feeling of playing quicker. But the way he runs, where Luke Shaw is quite labored in going forward, and I think that energy that he did provide was the difference um, compared to when Luke Shaw lines up.
1: I, I, I disagree a little bit, Tom. I think Melassia played really well. I, I take Oh, it no, he, it
0: he, was well. he was good, but I, I think if Luke Shaw, we've seen Luke Shaw play very well in recent se- or a couple of seasons ago, like Luke Shaw, when he plays well, can provide that type of performance. But I, sure, I think but what it was.
1: Uh, Shaw's been quite labored and he's been labored for about 12 months now. I think with Malassia, even when he got beaten, he made efforts to get back. And that, that's the key point. And what you're saying is right. It wasn't a flawless performance by Malassia. Salah got the better of him at times, but every time he did get beaten on the inside, he was able yeah. to recover, whether that be through his pace, his energy, or his commitment. Also, I think an underrated part of Malassia's game, if you actually look at how he set up when he plays compared to Shaw, Shaw holds a traditional fullback position. He's wide; is the is the widest player on the pitch. When Melassia plays, he almost play he almost goes back into midfield. He's more introverted. So United seem to play two different ways depending on who the fullback is. I think Melassia is more technical. He is a he's more tenacious. He has a bit more of a, a pit bull nature to him. He's definitely. I think that's what I mean. I think that's
0: why the performance stood out in terms of he had in terms of what we asked for. In terms of Luke Shaw, a little bit lazy, and we, I don't want to call lazy, but sometimes it does look a little bit lazy is far from that. I think that energy he does provide was the... We're we'll getting to Anthony Langer. I thought Anthony Langer set the tone. I thought Bruno Fernandes in terms of, okay, he didn't have a goal or an assist. I thought he set the tone, especially with the captain's armband. But George here saying Malassia is 22 and has been here for five minutes. Luke Shaw is a veteran now at the club, needs to stand up. And Rob here with a point... Um, in regards to be thrown in a game like that on his debut, pretty much his debut, Old Trafford debut in terms of his starting debut up against yep. Salah and trainer Alexander-Arnold. Um, past with flying colours was special even more when making uh, mistakes. His um, Sorry, even when making mistakes, his recovery was spot on, which I completely agree with. So I'm um, credit to him. Can I ask
1: you, Tom? I don't mean to interrupt you, but let me ask you that question then. You, you yes. have Southampton on the weekend, and obviously we'll do our previews. But after the performance Malaysia put in, can you sh- can you make a justification for dropping him?
0: No, he he keeps his spot. I think there's a few, and as you say, we'll sort of get into sort of previews later in the week. I think it will be interesting to Eric Ten Hag's view on how he approaches this because it was a very different approach in regards to this game against Liverpool compared to Brentford. So if he sees something drastically different with Southampton, which he probably will, does that change things? Now, I don't think it will, especially in that back four. I think he'll want to keep that back four after a solid performance. And I would be not gutted if Marcia dropped um, out of the team and Luke Shaw came in. However... I would be slightly disappointed. I think Molassi did enough to keep that spot. And ultimately, at the moment, makes us a better team. So I would like to see um, Molassi keep that spot. But is there anything else before we sort of get into 3-2-1s and a few other talking points? Is there anything in regards to the match or other players you sort of do want to sort of touch on or any talking points?
1: Yeah, I just want to put a little bit of praise on two players particularly because they won't get mentioned anywhere else. I thought Diogo Delo put in his best performance in a United shirt.
0: I actually had a question for you on Diogo Delo. He was very – Luis Diaz is, is a bit of a handful for Premier League players at the moment. Obviously, he came in in January, done very well, and now they don't have Sadio Mane. He's a bit of their threat. Salah, okay, I know he scores. Well. I don't rate Salah. I think mean, Diaz is a better footballer. I know that makes no sense for me, the way I view football Here, Diego Delo got really close to him. Was that Diego Delo saying, jeez, I don't want this guy to run at me. I'm just going to be physical with him and just make life hard, or do you think that was Eric Ten Hag sort of picking a fault in Diaz's game or a little bit of both?
1: I'm actually going to go an option three. I think Raphael Varane's communication, and again, this will be key in into the 3 two ones. I don't think it's a coincidence that all our defenders, our back four, look so structured, so assured with Varane in that back four. And that's what I think it was. I actually think it was Varane's communication and positioning which kept Delow in check. Because if you look at how shambolic we've been, even if you go as recent back to last game, Delow's positioning at times is questionable. But with someone there talking to him, I just wonder, is that that key difference? Diogo Delo seemed to, it was very strange because you actually think of him as an attacking fullback. He seemed to understand that if he actually, he backed off a little bit, which I thought was smart. He waited for Diaz to make a decision before he moved. And and that's what a smart fullback does, particularly if someone has you for pace. So credit where where it's due, while he didn't do much going forward, defensively, he put in a good performance. And uh, can I say, Scott McTominay, simple game, played extremely well. Comes in th- th- and that's the right thing with Scott-
0: and, and look, you don't need to talk him up to me. Obviously, I'm one of one of his few fans, but I think it's one of the ones where that's what I want: a good performance, good six, seven out of ten. But this is where I say, okay, go in there. Casemiro comes in against Southampton. Maybe the ten Hag, the game doesn't call for Scott McTominay against Southampton. What, he needs a job to do against Liverpool. Yeah, throw him straight in there. Do your one job. Come back out. You throw Casemiro in, and that is what we want from Scott McTominay in terms of Casemiro coming in. Now, I think he's able to play. There's a comment here from EMAD in regards to the formation was the winner playing with 1-6 and having both fullbacks tuck into midfield when we had the ball uh, for a bit of extra cover. And, and I think it's one of the ones where I was discussing with Lewis, the Brazilian footballer, last night having the ability to just have Casemiro by himself enables Fred, enables McTominay to play in that number eight position. Now, if they're going to sort of hold down that spot, that's up for, up for debate and we'll have that answer in due course. But we don't have to rely on Scott McTominay to play a game that's not his role. I, I think a huge part of why Scott McTominay, obviously Eric Ten Hag said it was a magnificent display by Scott McTominay. I think the reason that bit was I hate using this name in regards to sort of comparing him because obviously I'm not So, sort of stay with me as I'm making this comparison. But I did have a feeling of Michael Carrick in regards to this guy, not on the ball. Defensively, I thought what he was doing, it might not look like he's flying into tackles or pressing. When we think of Scott McTominay, we think of, okay, in your face and aggression sort of thing in closing the ball down. But what he was doing, he was stopping the supply into Firmino and into Salah. So he was cutting off those passing lanes and a Jordan Henderson or a Harvey Elliott were getting the ball. They're looking forward to Salah or they're looking forward to Firmino. Scott McTominay was in the way. And suddenly that put provided a little bit of hesitation for those players. Then Jordan Henderson had to pass sideways or backwards. So it looked like Scott McTominay was doing nothing but he was changing the dictator in a play by Liverpool. And I thought that is why, from a manager's point of view, Eric Ten Hag will potentially, yeah, did see it as a magnificent performance. But in saying that, well done, Scott. Casimiro comes in for me.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And even on the Michael Carrick point, I, I take, I get what you're saying. And I think that's the key difference. In a game like this where you have a team that will play on the front foot at Old Trafford or, or away, that is the game for a McTominay or a Fred. I think McTominay is the more trustworthy player, which is why you saw him deputized as opposed to Fred. Um, but I agree with you. I think nine times out of ten, we are going to come against that lower block. And I mm. think, obviously, Casemiro is a clear upgrade. I mean, I don't think enough has been made. And it's a great video you had last night, Tom, with Luis. But Casemiro, like, this guy is top five best in his position right now. Like, Not I don't according think to no that going in there.
0: Not according to Graham Souness.
1: No, oh, Graham Soonis is a dickhead.
0: <laughs> I, th- I thought that was funny. If anyone hasn't seen Graham Souness, says, um, Casimir has never been a top player over the last decade, which is um I'd say an interesting take. But before we move on to three, two, ones, Larry, is there anything else? Obviously, you mentioned Diego Delo, Scott McTominay. Any other talking points in regards to the match before we move on?
1: Uh can I say just on Liverpool? I have to be a little bit critical here. Just the the, the tactician in me was very curious how they didn't start Fabinho. I just yeah. I thought that was. I think a lot of
0: a home. lot of their fans are a lot of their fans sort of questioning Klopp in regards to that. And in terms of questioning Klopp, three games below Manchester United, I'm not asking any questions. He's obviously not going to be sacked. But questions that do need to be asked. Why isn't Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher in at Melwood Sort of giving a sit down inter- interrogation of Jurgen Klopp now.
1: Because United's a bigger football club, and that's where the interest is.
0: That is the case. That is the case. And I'm um, George here in regards to Graeme Sooners. He's still complaining about Pogba. Uh, if we lost, I'm sure that would have been poor Pogba's fault. But we will move on to 3-2-1s. And we did give 3-2-1s in the first game of the season. It was a defeat against Brighton, but we did find some positive um, or slightly positive performances in that game. I think you can imagine there was no 3-2-1s dished out in the brentford match larry but there was is obviously a discussion to be had a very sort of positive discussion to be had in regard to the 3-2-1 votes for this 2-1 victory against liverpool so do get all your thoughts in the live chat now if anyone new to the podcast i'm sure a lot of our listeners do know but anyone new, the way we do these three two ones is like a, a player of the match it doesn't have to be the best performer just uh, if it finished one meal and jaden sancho scored the goal there's a strong case of jaden sancho proving the difference he would have got the three points if someone came on the 89th minute and made a goal-saving tackle, maybe he's worth three points because that was the moment of the match. So we, we weighed up, we discuss um, in regards to performances and those moments. So there's a few things we'll discuss on there. Obviously, two names are going to dominate this in Lissandro Martinez and Rafael Varane. And before we, I sort of give my opinion on who I'm giving the points to, just want your take on it because, well, here I'm going to tell you who's getting my points. It would be Lissandro Martinez. However, I say that. In regards to the moment. There's been a bit of a narrative around him this week in terms of being short. He got subbed at halftime against Brentford. So there's a lot of pressure on him. He's come in against obviously potential, they're not, but obviously one of the best teams um, in Europe at the moment or, or last season. So the come up against a huge test. He's under immense pressure and he performed very well and set the tone in regards to those tackles and sort of getting in people's faces. He's obviously played very well as well. So he gets my three points in saying that his partner in Rafael Varane. I think, performed better. I think, look, maybe someone could sort of highlight a performance from last season. However, off the top of my head, I think that's Varane's best performance in a red shirt.
1: Oh, easily. This is a really difficult one. I agree with everything you've said. I personally would be going Varane. And when I messaged you this morning, I was I, you saw, I was sure, sure thing is Martinez. But let me just make up my argument and those in the comments, you know, hear me out here. Martinez is the more eye-catching defender, definitely in terms of the moments, the clear, even the composure he had when Bruno knocks it into him. Oh, Oh my gosh. Like, any other defender puts that in the back, right? But I think you you always have to look at, if you look at Vidic and Ferdinand, I know this is, you know, a bit boring, but, you know, there is something in having a composed defender, someone who is the communicator, the orchestrator, and then having someone who's a bit more combatant. And, and, and I just think that Martinez looks so good because Varane was so assured. I don't think it's a coincidence that the defence as a whole, like I touched on earlier, looks so composed against what's been the Premier League's most lethal front three for the last few years. I know it's changed a little bit in terms of Diaz and Mane. So with that being said, I actually think Varane complimented the way each defender played, had a solid assured performance himself. And that's why I'd be going, Varane, but you're not wrong if you're saying three points for Martinez either.
0: On Varane, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier in regards to his communication, obviously Bruno Fernandes had the armband, Captain Harry Maguire was on the bench. From one or two interviews I've heard over the last week or two, and sort of one or two snippets um, of Eric Ten Hag's time at Old Trafford, obviously I think the Rayo Baicano game, Rafael Varane was captain in that pre-season match. Yes, Bruno had the armband. I have a feeling Eric Ten Hag is... And now we'll sort of question Rafael Varane's involvement under Eric Ten Hag at times, but the snippets we are hearing, especially after this game and especially off the performance Rafael Varane did give here, I have a feeling Eric Ten Hag is seen him as a potential captain in terms of the way he's talked about, okay, what, what's Rafael or what, why are you dropping Harry Maguire? And he mentioned leadership a few times and sort of that composure. And I have a feeling he sees um, Rafael Varane as that leader.
1: Well, he mentioned him when they brought up the captaincy. I, I can't recall who it was. Um, pre-match, Tan Hag gets asked about the captaincy, he about Bruno, and he, he made a point about putting Varane in that conversation, yeah. didn't he? That's what I mean. Um, I just
0: it's starting to sort of fester. I have a feeling that, look, who knows what's going to happen with Harry Maguire. He might start against Southampton. Who knows? But I think Raphael Varane is firmly in this discussion, and he did captain the team in one of the pre-season matches. So that is something to look out for. But I'll just go to some comments, um, because we are split on the Martinez and Varane in regards to three points. But Adam here, has gone Varane for three, Martinez for two, and Malassia for one. Ashby also agreeing with Varane, Martinez and Rashford. Then we have a lot of Martinez votes here for three points. You've got Mike, Martinez, Varane, Rashford. Emad has gone, Martinez as well, Varane, Rashford. George, um, Lissandro Martinez, Malassia and Rashford. So there'll be interest in one point. I think that is where the huge debate is. Dion, um, yeah, agreeing with that, Martinez, Varane and Rashford and Rob Picker, Malassia in there for his one point, but keeping Martinez. Do you want to cave and give it to the butcher?
1: Cave and give it to the butcher just for the shoulder charge on Salah alone. Uh, maybe that maybe that edges it a little bit.
0: And so and as you mentioned, saving Bruno's bacon. I don't know what oh, Bruno God. Fernandez was doing there. But... Hey,
1: I tell you, any other defender in world football that go, that's an own goal. Like, oh my gosh!
0: Or a handball because uh, because what he did now it's point blank. It's reaction. There's not too much thinking in in regards to that. But the ball did come and he did move his chest. He did move his hand out of the way. So it was also very lucky. But also very well defended by Martinez. So fair play to him. And as I said, he is, it's very early in the days. He might score an own goal next. Like, who knows? Fingers crossed he doesn't. But he is working. And we called this when he did arrive in terms of one or two snippets we had seen and what Eric Ten Hag has spoken about. We did say this guy is going to be a cold hero. <laughs> He's already got that status at the moment. Oh, falling already. in love
1: with him. Just United have just slacked that aggressive bastard on the football pit. Like, since Herrera left, Who's the only closest player I can think of? When was the last time United had an actual bastard in the team, yeah. particularly in defence? Like you just you need that someone with a, a bit of an aggressive bite, and he uh, definitely put. The, and can I just say, on the ball, he's so assured. Like oh, cool. yeah, he's very good. Player. Yeah. yeah, like compared to Maguire in the same position, how shaky he's looked at times. Like this guy is a footballer. I think he's going to be a hell of a signing.
0: Uh, definitely. Well, if you are happy with Lissandro Martinez and the three points, um, do leave a like on the video for the butcher. That would be great. I think we'll um, confirm Rafael Varane for the two points then. But I think it's interesting. A lot of people put Marcus Rashford for the one point. I don't know where I'd go for one point. Um, there's a few shouts for Melissa as well. I'll, I'll probably give you the floor. I'm just sort of fixated on that central defensive partnership. I think um, Jaden Sancho, big goal. But Marcus Rashford, on the on the finish by Marcus Rashford, I'll have my two cents on that good finish okay because it's a tricky position when you get it not a tricky position but the textbook finish is open your body and curl it to the far post and as soon as the goalkeepers thinking that as well so when you have time to think that it's the correct finish the moment you hesitate and think well hang on the goalkeeper's read that you have to change your mind that is when you miss those chances and to be able to use the same technique and beat him at the near post could you imagine if david de Gea was beaten at the near post will be splashed all over the newspapers allison gets beat at the near post every second week there's no mention of it um but that's a debate for another day but Good finish by Marcus Rashford. I definitely needed it. And you look back at, I put a tweet out yesterday in regards to what I want to see from Marcus Rashford. The last time we beat Liverpool, he scored a double. Well, the last time we beat them in the league, he scored a double. And it wasn't about his skill. It wasn't about his goals. It wasn't about the finish. It wasn't about the occasion. It was about him running. He ran in that game. And that has yeah. been a huge criticism of, I've had towards Marcus Rashford in recent seasons. I got I got that. I didn't care if he didn't miss that chance. He gave he gave me what I wanted by his effort and obviously rewarded with a goal. So I wouldn't potentially argue against Rashford.
1: I'm going to put two names forward, and I haven't seen these two names in the comments. So maybe I'm being a little bit controversial. I'll put my points out there. Keen to see what you think, Tom, and obviously get your comments in as well. The two names, and this is just purely to spark debate. I thought Bruno Fernandes could have had an assist if Alenga finishes, which he should have. I thought he was everywhere. He, he cleared up balls when he didn't really have to. He didn't stop running. And, and purely for his work rate, I thought Bruno was really good. Uh, lots of decent through balls and on a different day, I think he, he does come away with an assist or something of that nature. I thought Bruno was really good in a really combative, busy performance in the midfield.
0: set the tone for me here like, in terms of it wasn't stupid pressing, but he was always there. He's always trying to sort of drive the team. It was in a somewhere. captain
1: performance it was a captain's performance. And I think he took to the armbands really well. There's also an argument to say, and maybe it can be a conversation after this point. Did Bruno benefit from not having Ronaldo there? I've made this point to you previously, and that's not a criticism of Ronaldo. I just think that they occupy such similar positions on the pitch. Just, Bruno looked a bit taller, looked a bit more confident. Without, and then the second Ronaldo comes on, Bruno's trying to play the magic ball to Ronaldo. Oh, again. When, when he
0: tried that pass over the top, when I said screaming at the TV, take it to the corner, take it to the corner, and he's tried to find Ronaldo with his Hollywood pass that sets Liverpool free on a, free on a counter-attack. Um, I think apparently Eric Ten Hag, was a few reports from the media section, um, Eric Ten Hag's reaction to that pass wasn't a pleasant one, but um, I think Bruno is an interesting shout, and I wouldn't, look, I do say Marcus Rashford okay there for the goal, but in regards to the armband, and he is providing that energy, and also for holding that ball when Mohamed Salah scored, I thought that was, Yeah, you know, yes, he does roll down and act a little bit childish, you don't want to see that, but as a Man United fan, I don't care, my issue with that is Mohamed Salah, Mohamed Salah was the one wasting time, Liverpool scored the goal. Whose ball is it?
1: Well, it's Liverpool's.
0: No, Liverpool scored the goal. Okay, so who who gets the next play?
1: Yeah, United. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah so it's Bruno's ball. No, They're wasting course. time by taking off. So I think Bruno was well within his right to get the ball. It was Salah wasting time, and Bruno knew exactly what he was doing. So it was Salah wasting his own time. So Bruno, master of the dark arts, I thought fantastic.
1: No, I agree with you. Um, my other content. My other contention or contender for the one point. You talk about game changer. Martial comes on, assists, holds the ball up well, brings other players into the the game. He ran. Really good performance from Martial. Had a positive impact. And and when you talk about attacking players coming off the bench, he did exactly what you ask of him. He he could have done a little bit better. I think he, he probably should have at least had a shot on target, just didn't get his feet right with one opportunity. But... Martial looks really sharp, and then it comes back to the argument of Martial or Ronaldo. Who's picking Ronaldo ahead of Martial after that performance?
0: Well, it's my next point. We'll just quickly go back to one point, then I'll touch on Martial and Ronaldo to finish the podcast, but a few people have mentioned, which I did forget in regards to Bruno Fernandes, potentially docking points off him. Uh, was booked for the dive. I wish it was given a penalty, but yes, one or two theatrics. So, look, I, I would be going... I did like Bruno's performance in terms of what he did provide the team and sort of how he led us forward. But obviously for Marcus Rashford, especially being in a bad position himself in terms of a situation in his career to come through and, and get a goal against Liverpool, I would potentially be agreeing with a lot of people in the live chat by opting to give him a point for this one.
1: Yeah, ran, ran well as well. Um, so, yeah, maybe one point for Rashford is the... Is the right call. Can I just say, um, the goal, Tom, just to touch on your point and the final point on Rashford? After the goal, he then goes on and he beats four players on a run and gets another shot off. I don't think that that's a coincidence. How how funny confidence is. Oh, this guy's been no, he's been robbed of confidence for the best part of 12 months. He scores a goal against Liverpool and then he is capable of beating four players. So let's hope he can keep that momentum up because a fit and firing Marcus Rashford means United will do things this season, hopefully.
0: No, definitely. Well, he does need to look I've been extremely critical of Marcus Rush, But I say it every time, I am critical. I absolutely love the guy. So I'd love nothing more than for him to turn it around. And fingers crossed, this um, could prove to be the catalyst. Now, we won't do a full preview of Southampton. We'll do that later on in the week. And a reminder, if you are in Sydney, um, we'll be at Scruffy Murphy's on Saturday night, taking advantage of the only good kickoff time left before the World Cup. It's a Saturday night, 9.30 p.m. kickoff. So if you are in Sydney, get down to the pub to watch it with us. But um, in regards to that, just a quick discussion in regards to that. I've been sort of quietly, com- not confident, but and this not to say at the moment I agree or disagree, but in regards to the, the end result of Ronaldo's situation, over the last couple of weeks I've said I think he's just going to stay, not through any fo- not through him not trying to leave. I just see the way the situation is playing out, I have a feeling he will stay. Over the last couple of weeks that has dropped to about 60-40, I think, okay, yeah, 60%, I think he just stays. Today after not like huge words but just one or two he's on the bench and sort of potentially the way Anthony Martial came back in there is one or two rumors with potential move to Marseille and now there's been plenty of rumors with all the clubs but Marseille is the latest one to throw into there at the moment I'll play down to 50-50 and that is gradually decreasing last week I got 60-40 now 50-50 in regards to the Ronaldo situation um, that he could end up leaving now I stand by my stance that okay, Anthony Marshall might make us a better team in regards to the way we want to play football. Am I going to rely on Anthony Marshall to lead the line over 38 games this season? Sadly not. So unless we're replacing Ronaldo, I think it is a mistake. Now, if we bring someone in, if it's a gap with the future for him to be the number nine, okay, if that's what Eric Ten Hag wants and it's best for Ronaldo, okay, move him on. At the moment, though, if I don't see a replacement, I'm still extremely hesitant because let's say Anthony Marshall and we have the same back four, the same lineup against Southampton, we might lose 1-0. Suddenly we're, all the toys are going to go out of the premium again. We're saying we're not good enough. We need investment sort of thing. So we are not overreacting in regards to this performance, but we do need to remember the situation we're in. We've won one game against a team who hasn't won a game this season. So I think we do need to keep things in check. But um, just Absolutely. your latest thoughts on the Ronaldo situation in regards to how do you think it changes every day at the moment. Where do you sit?
1: I think Ten Hag doesn't want him. I, I, and I think, I think today was a power play by Ten Hag like you you got to think about it like if you think of the games that ollie was benching ronaldo for or Rennick was benching ronaldo for when it came to the biggest games out of question ronaldo was starting uh th- there was only one time last season i think it was was Carrick still in charge when we versus chelsea and we uh, and we got the draw uh ronaldo was benched for that game but this felt different didn't it Hag, you, you, you mentioned, you know mentioned Eric sense. Ten
0: Hag. You mentioned Ten Hag there, saying doesn't want him. And look, I understand that. I agree and disagree. However, in regards to Ronaldo, is this, he's got this whole package in regards to the persona, the status, and the presence he does carry through no fault of his own, or maybe through his own fault, in terms of that comes with Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not just a video game. But here we are. You say Ten Hag doesn't want him. Let's say it is a video game. Obviously, it's not. But hypothetically bring Ronaldo off the bench in terms of that, okay, Anthony Martial's, Martial's Tom, his struggle. Ronaldo <laughs> won't want
1: that. Yeah, no, 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 no. He won't it, accept that. that
0: that's it, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what Ronaldo wants. You talk about Eric Ten Hag. It, t- take away the baggage, which you can't with Ronaldo, in terms of that option off the bench. Now, that's not going to happen. Ronaldo's not going to want to come off the bench. But in regards to what in an ideal situation for Eric Ten Hag, I wouldn't go as far to say he doesn't want him. I think he might see the benefits in letting him, li- letting him leave. But I would say given an ideal situation, um, he would take Ronaldo in the squad.
1: I agree with you. He would take Ronaldo in the squad, uh, but but. I agree.
0: That's a complex situation with Ronaldo. That's not just a possibility, there is everything else that comes with that.
1: Yeah. And I just, not just. If you look at what United are doing in terms of the bid they've put in for Anthony and the kind of money that they're willing to pay for Anthony, you have to think actually, and this is something we have to think about. He played Rashford up front. I'm just wondering, is he looking to a future with Anthony on the right? move Sancho back over to the left, and then you can deploy Rashford or Martial up front. Is that the way he's going to go? I think that's a possibility as well.
0: What are your thoughts as obviously co-founding member of Martial FC? We've talked about over the last couple of um, weeks, months, years, Anthony Martial's potential desire to leave. Obviously, Ralph Rangie confirmed he doesn't want to continue his career at Man United. He's obviously gone on loan, come back to Man United, and look quite good. Ronaldo wants to leave. Eric Bay has just confirmed um, he's off to Marseille on, on a loan with a mandatory buy option at the end of the season. Anthony Martial, does he want to be? And I'm not saying he doesn't. I, I just, the, the question isn't being asked anymore. Does Anthony Martial still want to be at Man United? Oh, in regards to performances and application on the pitch, it does look like that. But we haven't heard anything different. The last thing we heard from Anthony Martial's camp was that he wants to leave. And I'm just thinking, just your thoughts.
1: I think he wants to stay. I think that's clear. He's I, I don't know what Ten Hag said to him in the off season, but it's very clear they've had a conversation. And I think Martial looks lighter. He's, he's done something in terms of his conditioning in the off season. He looks lighter, he's grown his that's hair good. back, and he's looking sharp. Um, but whatever Martial's done, he looks he looks hungry again. You know, and with Martial, it's never been about the ability. How many times over, however long we've been doing this, Tom, four years nearly, with Martial, it's not about ability. It's all about the brain. If he wants yeah. to be committed, he can be one of the best players in world football, but it's about the consistency. There's something about him, and he comes in today. He hasn't played for two, three weeks, and he's just, he's hit the ground running against premiership heavyweights, Liverpool. Against Van Dyke, he's turning him inside and out. Like this guy, clearly, when he's on it, he can play. So I think Ten Hag has said something to him and he's gotten him hungry again. I think Martial's just that kind of player he needs to feel loved. If he mm. feels loved, he'll stay. It's Manchester United. If Martial leaves United, where does he go? It's not up. He doesn't go to Madrid. He doesn't go to.
0: My Bayern fear with Madrid. a. You're completely right in saying that. My fear with Anthony Martial, let's say Eric Ten Hag and myself want a future with Anthony Martial, is going to be our number nine. At the moment, in terms of him feeling loved, what what that means is be relied upon. Okay, you're going to be my man, main man, Tony. You're going to be our number one striker. If Ronaldo leaves, we have to bring in a striker to sheer bodies-wise. If we bring in a new striker, let's say he's going to cost £50 million, how does Anthony Martial react to that?
1: I think if he's first choice, he's fine. I think where he struggles, and whether this is right or wrong, where Martial's form has dipped off in previous years is when he's unjustifiably, in my opinion, been dropped. If you can think back to when we signed Alexis Sanchez,
0: Sanchez, Martial
1: was in a purple patch (laughs) and then he got dropped for no reason. He got got shoved over to the right to accommodate the new signing. And then he played poorly on the right in a position he never played all season. And then he was dropped. And then, of course, he, he kicked off after that. And to be fair, put yourself in his shoes. I'd be kicking off too. So when he's played well... If he's playing well, then he justifies his spot. By the same token, though, if he's not performing, then you can't be guaranteed a position. So, Mm. you know, it's one of those. But if he's clearly motivated. He's clearly been given an incentive to play well. And we have to remember, when when Martial came on preseason, Ronaldo was no guarantee to leave anyway. So he's clearly taken the challenge. Mm. The situation with Ronaldo has eventuated to wherever we are now. And he's taken his opportunity nonetheless.
0: Yeah, no, it's a very accurate shout. Uh, football fund here saying get rid of Ronaldo, then sign Gakpo and Anthony. Rashford is a good striker, better than Ronaldo and um, better than Ronaldo currently. And Anthony Marshall, Gakpo and Anthony. Look, look, we'll have that discussion plenty times. I'm sure we'll be doing videos. Make sure you are subscribed when that sort of breaking news does happen with either Gakpo or Anthony. We will go live and react. So, um, make sure you do hit the notification bell, and um, please do leave a like on this video if you have enjoyed it. Obviously, very positive. And only here we are, Larry, in terms of. We're just discussing good things. We didn't say one negative in regards to the game. I'm sure there were negatives, but there's nothing to bring up. We haven't been discussing Glazers or board members. Now those discussions are still very important to have, but we don't know what the future holds with football. We could lose against Southampton. When you beat your biggest rivals for the first game or first win of the season, you have to celebrate and you have to enjoy it. So I have enjoyed not just your company back after a a couple of weeks away, but discussing Man United winning football matches. That's been the main thing.
1: Long may it continue. Uh, I guess the key point here is as high and as happy as we feel now, it has to be a win against Southampton. It no. can't be a draw. It can't be a loss. We have to go there and we, we have to go to St. Mary's and we have to get the three points. Otherwise, beating Liverpool means
0: nothing. I think That's also, the- and yet yes, a win, 1-0 win, deflected go- own goal in the 90th minute, no matter how However, I do think there is an element that the performance needs to be there as well. This needs to continue 10-hard needs to sort of implement this sort of style and sort of mentality, and there needs to be an improvement. Not off the Liverpool performance, but off the Brighton performance and off the Brentford performance, things need to continue to improve accompanied by the results themselves.
1: Yeah, 100%. And that's I agree with you, I think, particularly because he's a new manager with such a clear emphasis and, and a style which is so eye-catching you're right there has to be a level of performance just the, the key is the energy for me i think even in the brentford game united were keeping the ball we had 70 percent possession so keeping the ball wasn't the issue but the energy wasn't there the level of running we saw because you have to remember it's liverpool the, the players were always going to get up for this match can you get up for southampton
0: well, I'm always, very, your... I'm always very critical of other clubs. I'm always critical of a fuller Morris Southampton when they come to Man United. I've mentioned the crowd in terms of yeah, it's the biggest game of the season they're up for. It. And I'm thinking, hang on, why aren't you working like that against West Ham or Leeds or, or a game like that? Why are you trying harder against Man United? So I have to keep that same energy and ask Man United players, okay, good performance against Liverpool, good effort. Where was this against Brighton and Brentford? So I do. it is a question like I'm going to celebrate it at the moment and sort of enjoy it. But those questions are there and the players... Don't get off scot free now that they still need a lot. Not not all is forgiven, they need to earn the sort of spot and earn their trust again because it wouldn't shock you if they go back in the case and lose at Southend. Now, fingers crossed that is not the case, but um, the players still now have a long way to go. But as I said at the start of the um show, very happy for the fans. Yes, I'm happy for the players, they're very happy. The person I'm most happy for is Eric Ten Hag. I think he's made a huge difference, he's come in on and off the field and he's been under stupid scrutiny, unjustified and he needed this big performance and big result. And um, I think you talk about Rashford's confidence after scoring that goal. He got a bit of a boost, and he kicked on. I think it's hard to see that in, in a manager, but I think subconsciously it will play a part with Eric Ten Hag. I think he will benefit hugely from this one.
1: To quote the Dutchman, we can play fucking football.
0: I love that. It's, it's Stuff like that as well. It just had a, a feel-good feel. The Casemiro stuff before the game with Roy Keane, Ten Hag, and yeah, definitely. But um, it has been... A pleasure, an absolute pleasure to chat in Manchester United, winning football matches again, especially against Liverpool and moving above the table. Obviously, my good mate Larry back on the podcast and everyone in the live chat um, has has been great. Plenty of different opinions, especially around the 3-2-1s, which is good, and good to have a positive debate around that, not just like Brentford last week where we said, okay, no one gets points. And Lissandro Martinez is actually winning because he got a few points against... um, Brighton in the first match. I think Ericsson got a point as well in that game. So, um, Lissandro Martinez is leading the race for our player of the season. If you are happy with that, please do leave a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe if you are new. And, um, Larry, anything to add before we do wrap up?
1: No. Happy vibes, good vibes. Everyone enjoy the week, and uh, we'll be with you in in a day or two. We'll give you a Southampton preview. Look forward to
0: it. No, definitely. As always, until then, everyone keep safe, and we'll chat to you. Cheers.